Our Bible reading this morning is taken from James chapter 1, starting at verse 16 through to the end of the chapter. As we start, why don't I pray for us? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that in it we know you truly. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be at work in us so that we would be more like Christ, following him in the life that he called us to live. And in his most precious name we pray. Amen. James 1, starting at verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like sifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is God's word to us. Good morning. It's great that we can gather online this morning uh, from the comfort of our own homes. We're going to be exploring James chapter 1, starting at verse 16, and continuing our series called Devotion. Have you ever seen a truly beautiful life? Now, I'm not talking about external physical beauty, but a life that in and of itself is truly beautiful. One that demonstrates concern for the vulnerable, that is generous, compassionate, forgiving, patient, humble. One that hates evil and loves and committed to what is good. Now, I'm sure you'll agree that the Lord Jesus encapsulated that perfectly. He showed us the best life. He showed us what a life of pure devotion looks like. And if we're honest, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want a life that looks like the life that the Lord Jesus himself lived? Now, we're going to explore this uh, from James chapter 1 this morning under four headings. Life is a journey. The walk of life, the drive of death, and recalibrate your heart. 
There are our four points. Our first point this morning, life is a journey. Now, I'm sure you're like me. Google Maps is an essential part of your life. It is utterly indispensable for navigation. It tells us what route to take. It tells us what is fastest. It tells us how to avoid the problems and avoid tolls, even if we had them here in South Australia, which thank, thank God that we don't. But imagine Google Maps got hacked. And so it always took you on the slowest route. It took you the most indirect way. And when you arrive, you don't even get to go where you wanted to. Wait, maybe someone's hacked Google Maps. No. Last week we saw life is a journey and there are two roads. There is one, Wisdom Way and another that we called Seduction Street. They have two destinations that are radically different. Wisdom Way takes us to the path of life, Seduction Street, on the road to death. The Lord Jesus himself spoke of them. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the, great, the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. See, our problem is, is that our spiritual Google Maps has been hacked. It's been hacked by human sin. The tendency to reject God, and it means that it inevitably leads us away from Wisdom Way and onto Seduction Street, it leads us down the road of death. It takes our natural, sometimes God-given desires that are designed to be satisfied in him, and it redirects them away from God. It takes them and directs them to rivals who claim that they alone can offer what God alone can give. These are false gods, and they lead us to death. So we have to ask, do we have a choice? Is it possible for us to walk wisdom way? Can we live the beautiful life that Jesus showed us, that God calls us to? Is it possible for us to reach our destination and to receive from the Lord Jesus the crown of life that he has promised to all who love him. Is this possible? Yes. Which brings us to our second point. And James chapter 1 at verse 16. The walk of life. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, James writes, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You might remember last week, James starts his letter dealing with the whole issue of trials. And here he reassures us. He answers our doubts. He lets us know that God's destination is the best, even though the road is hard, even though it is beset by many kinds of trials. Where God is taking us 
is the best. Why? Because he is perfect. He doesn't change. He has always been good. He will always be good. What he has planned for us is the best possible. So how can we walk wisdom way? We need a new start, James tells us. Verse 18, he speaks, he tells us that God himself chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. God chose to give us birth. It is he himself who set us on wisdom way. This is his design and intention for us. And God wouldn't set our feet on a path that he doesn't then equip us to walk. And so he tells us that, or James tells us, that God has rebirthed us. He has given us birth through the word of truth. You might hear echoes here of Jesus to Nicodemus in John 3. You must be born again. James tells us that God has birthed us again. He's given us a new start through the word of truth, which here is the gospel. He tells us in verse 21 that this word can save us. And so it is the message of the life, death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus and what it is that God has achieved through those things. That is how God has brought us to new life. And he's done this to make us, James tells us, a kind of first fruits. Now, the great thing about first fruits is that they are the first of the harvest. They are the first of what is yet to come. And James here is telling us that we are reborn so that we might be a foretaste, the first fruits of the new creation, that we might be an outpost of heaven, that through us people might glimpse just a fraction of the joy and the justice, the hope and the healing of the new creation. That truly beautiful life, that life of pure devotion, this is what God is doing. This is where creation is heading because of what Christ achieved on the cross. And here, John, uh, James is telling us that God has given us this birth through the word of truth so that we might be the first fruits. This is both true of us individually, but especially as we come together as God's people. And just as a natural birth is the start of a life. This new birth, this birth through the word of the truth, is not the end of the journey, but the start. So what does this life look like? Well, James unpacks it for us. He tells us in verse 21 that this life is a life that is transformed by the word of God. Verse 21. Therefore, he writes, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept 
the word planted in you, which can save you. We come to God's word and we humbly accept it. God has planted it in us, but our life is characterized by receiving his word, humbly accepting it. And our life is directed by that word. In verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, that's James' way of speaking of the scriptures, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. James here is telling us to gaze intently. This is the same word that the gospel writers use as Peter and John looked into the tomb of Jesus that was empty. They're searching it. They're trying to find a body that's not there. This is not some casual disinterest or a passing glance. This is an an integral study of God's word. And he tells us not just to listen, but to do. Our life is transformed by the word. We are born again. We receive that word. We accept it. We are directed by it. And it is intensely practical. James tells us that this word will transform our lives. It will affect our speech. He tells us in verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religious religion is worthless. James tells us that the word of God will result in the fact that we actually guard our tongues. We keep a tight rein on our tongues. Why? Well, I'm sure you don't need too much help to recognise that the human tongue is a weapon of mass destruction. It is something that wreaks havoc. And James himself sets it up as the barometer of where our hearts are. Verse 2 of chapter 3. James writes this, he says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, we're going to come back to this passage in a few weeks' time, but it's worth noting that James is saying if you can control your tongue, everything else is a walk in the park. But here he's saying that through the word of God and its direction. We can control the tongue. So it it will transform the way we speak and it will affect, James tells us, our hearts. It gives us a concern for those who have less than what we have. Verse 27. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. I don't know how you would have finished that sentence. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Would you have said visiting widows and orphans, looking after them? But James is telling us that if this word of God is planted in our hearts, and if we're humbly accepting it, if it's our directing our steps, it will mean that we will have a concern for the vulnerable, 
for the marginalised as Jesus himself had. It will transform our hearts. Not only with what we do, but also with what we approve of, what we love and what we hate. The rest of verse 27. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. A life that is directed along wisdom way, a life that has been given rebirth through the word of truth, this life will hate the products of sin. They'll turn away from them. The moral filth and wickedness that James writes of, this life will be a beautiful life, like the life of Jesus himself. This brings us to our third point. We can walk wisdom way. We can walk that narrow, difficult road that leads to life. Or we can enter the, the broad way, the wide gate, the easy road that leads ultimately to death. As we saw last week, the road Seduction Street it is paved before us by doubt. It is doubt that puts us on Seduction Street. We will not trust God's purpose. Do I really want what he's offering me? We will not trust his person. Has God truly got my best interests at heart? If he did, maybe I wouldn't be suffering like I do. Maybe I wouldn't be going through these trials. We distrust God's power. Maybe he's got his best intentions, but is he actually capable of delivering on them? And so because we doubt, we start looking for other options. To use the Bible's language, we turn from the true God to idols. The prophet Jeremiah said this. He said of Israel, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They've turned from the source of eternal refreshment to dry, cracked, broken cisterns. They've turned from God to idols. And as we saw last week, Dan Orlender, the author of The Wounded Heart, says it like this. He said, we cannot fail to trust God without turning our trust to something that becomes a new God for us. We always have to have a God. And as we reject God and his purpose for us and ultimately his destination, we set our hopes on things that cannot possibly deliver Things that James teaches us, that Jesus teaches us, lead to death. So which road are you on? How would you know? It's quite scary in this passage that James talks about being self-deceived. How would you know which road you are walking and it's too easy to say, oh, look, 
I'm listening to this sermon. I go to church. I call myself a Christian. James gives us more to work with. He's laid out before us the beautiful life, the life of one who walks on wisdom way. A life transformed by the word, directed by the word, with the speech and the loves of that life being affected. And so here he gives us what the life of the one who is walking Seduction Street, the one on the road to death. He tells us that this one, this one, in contrast to the right way of life, wisdom way, this one will not receive the word. They won't sit humbly under the word. Maybe you listen, but do you obey? Maybe you hear, but you won't put it into practice. Do you call yourself a Christian and merely listen? Well, then James will tell you that your religion is useless. It's worthless. You may be self-deceived. Many of you will know that I used to be a physiotherapist. And one of the things you did as a physio is you assessed external symptoms to look for what was happening inside. You tried to diagnose what was happening in that joint or in those muscles by what you were seeing on the outside. You didn't have x-ray vision. You couldn't go in and cut the patients open and have a look. You had to put the pieces together to present this was the problem. James gives us some symptoms. He tells us that the life that walks Seduction Street, it is obvious. It is something that is evident as the heart that is not set right with God overflows. Jesus himself said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees here. How can you say uh, you who are evil say anything good for the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of? The mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. It is something that James is putting his finger on. He says that we should be slow to speak because our anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires. We should be slow to speak. And if we can keep our tongue in check, we are perfect. For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. A little few verses later in chapter 15, verse 18 to 20 of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says this. He says, the things that defile a person come out of their mouth from the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. 
Here we have Jesus again. He tells us that these things, these external actions, they come from the heart. The heart is the issue. And James has put us before, put before us these two ways, these two roads. And the difference is, is what is actually happening in your heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 cautions us. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We will realise, if we're honest, that our hearts need recalibration. If you've never come to Christ, you need that word implanted. And even if you are walking with Christ, you need a constant recalibration. Brings us to our last points. Recalibrate your heart. So how can this happen? Well, John James tells us it is through the word of truth that can save us. This is the word about the Lord Jesus, the one who was wisdom personified, wisdom incarnate. This one lived for us and died. Wisdom in the place of fools. He suffered the fate that we deserved. He walked perfectly down wisdom way, but embraced willingly the fate of those who stroll Seduction Street, all of us. He did it in our place. And that is the word of truth that gives us life. That is the gospel of hope when we put our trust in the promise of God through the gospel. That is what James is talking about when he says that God has willed to give us birth through the word of truth. That is what he's talking about. But it's not just our life in Christ at the start. It's for all of our life in Christ. We need to let the word instruct us constantly. James talks about us humbly receiving that, sitting underneath the word, allowing it as God's word to speak to us, to challenge our loves, to show us the wonder and majesty and perfection of God himself. That is what James calls us to do, humbly receive that word. And by the grace that is ours, through the word of life, through Christ himself, he will change us. He calls us to look intensely into it, to gaze into it. He calls us to learn from it what is good and right and beautiful. James calls it the perfect law that gives freedom. This is how we were designed to live. If our hearts were locomotives, God's word 
is the track that we were designed to run along. This is freedom. This is what God made us for. This is where we find God's way and God's strength to live that beautiful life. Let me conclude. Brothers and sisters, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Look intently into that perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it. Do not forget what you have heard, but do it and you will be blessed in all that you do.